November 26, 2021. We're learning Masechet Rosh 11 lines from the bottom of this morning's class, and the classes throughout the week were dedicated in loving memory of Hana Bat Rachel by the Levi family. We're here in the Gemara. The Gemara cited a pasuk just a moment ago in order to deal with, in order to translate that word alil in the Mishnah. The word alil in the Mishnah clearly meant, well, it meant clear. And we cited this pasuk from Tehilim, Imrot Adonai Amarot Teorot Kesef Saruf Ba'alil La'ares Mizukak Shiv'ataim. And in that pasuk, talking about the statements, the utterances of God, Imrot Hashem, they uh, cause, they are, clarity in its fullest sense. And the conclusion of the Pasuk, of course the significance for us initially was that word alil, but the conclusion of the Pasuk is those words mizukak shiv'ataim. Mizukak is when it's refined. And the word is shiv'ataim, which seems to be a multiple of seven, the understanding is seven squared, which of course is 49. Says the Gemara in explaining those words with reference to Torah, the number 49, the seven times seven, Rav Ushmuel, it's in the middle of this line, 11 lines from the bottom, the two famous Emoraim, Rav and Shemuel, Hadamar, the first statement goes as follows. There were 50 sha'are binas, literally 50 gates of wisdom, of perception, of understanding, which were brought forth, which were created by God in this world, and all, aside from one, were given to Moshe. Ramban Nachmanir, bi Moshe ben Nachmanir's introduction to his commentary on the Torah, talks about this statement. In a, in a separate context, but he's talking about Torah and its general understanding. His understanding of this one, which was withheld from Moshe, is based on that pasuk in Parashat Kitisa, the elaboration in the Gemara in several places, that Moshe asks God to show him his kavod. He wants to understand the glory of God. The one of those 50, which was withheld from Moshe, is Yedi'at Hashem. A full knowledge of God, of course, is impossible. Alternatively, but along the same words, same lines, the Gemara explains it as, why is there sadik verano rasha vetoblo? In other words, why do evil people sometimes prosper and righteous people sometimes suffer? But it's generally speaking the same, same question. How do you understand God so I can understand so much about your activities, about that which you've brought forth and so forth, but I can't actually understand you? Ramban, as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, in that introduction suggests that although the words in the Gemara seem as if there are 50 to be found and Moshe was only given 49. He says, let's be honest over here. It's not that there were 50 actually even sent down into this world. There are 49. We'll never actually, first and foremost, we'll never rise greater than Moshe. But even Moshe himself was told by God, you're not given that. It's not existent for human capacity to actually comprehend and fathom Yidi'at Hashem, knowledge of God. Anyway, well, that's the 50 minus 1, 49, Shene Emar. How do you know Moshe got all except for a little? How do you know alternatively, as Ramban says, there's all except for a little accessible to human, human beings, Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says in Sefer Tehilim elsewhere, it's a mizmor which we associate with Moshe, Vatehaserehu me'at me'elohim. The Pasuk says he was haser, Moshe is the understanding, just a bit, he was missing a bit, me'elokim, a bit of godliness, a bit of divinity. God, we can imagine as the all-knowing being, 
Well, if you got all but a little, it means you got all knowledge except for, of course, a little. That's the first opinion here in the Gemara that Moshe has this 49, the 50 minus 1, Vatehasereu, that's Kesef Mezukak Shiv'atayim, that's the 49. Bikesh Kohelet Limso Hefetz. And the next opinion here in the Gemara begins with a pasuk from, you guessed it, Sefer Kohelet. Kohelet is a reference to Shilomo HaMelech. And it says over here that Moshe Shilomo, writing about himself, of course, requested divrei hefetz, matters of, of will. He wanted to understand it. He wanted to know it. In other words, he was requesting knowledge. He was requesting perception, understanding. Says the, says the Gemara, Bikesh Kohelet lihiot Moshe. You want to know what divrei hefetz was? Divrei hefetz was the will to be like Moshe. He wanted absolute knowledge minus a bit. He wanted the ma'at me'elokim, just like Moshe. Yaseta bat kol ve'amralo, a heavenly voice came forth and said to him, and this is the end of that same pasuk, the pasuk in Kohelet here, in Perik Yod Bet, pasuk Yod, goes as follows, Bikesh Kohelet limso divrechefetz. How do we translate that? He wanted to be like Moshe. A heavenly voice comes out, and that's the second part of the pasuk, Vekavo, excuse me, Vekatub yosher divre emet. What does that mean? Well, yosher... And straight and divremet is words of truth. What's that a reference to? Well, the Gemara in Masechet Avodah Zarah, which our Gemara will be implicitly accepting, envisions the book of Devarim as being Sefer Hayashar. It's the straight book. Well, in turn, the Pasuk over here, which talks about Katub Yosher, is going to be a reference in the eyes of the rabbis to the book of Tehillim. So it means that somehow, we're going to read it in a second, the heavenly voice, as Shelomo, the Kohelet, asks, can I be just like Moshe? Can I have full knowledge? Divrei, uh, excuse me, the, the Katub Yosher, the book of Tehillim, is going to set him straight and tell him, Divrei Emet. It's going to tell him, sorry, you can't have that. It's going to tell him truth that only Moshe could have that. How so? What Pasuk and Sefer Tehillim would teach us, would teach Shelomo, that we can't be like Moshe? The Pasuk says, there won't be another prophet, another knower, another seer like Moshe. Well, that was the response. So you understand that's the remez in the pasuk, according to the rabbis, that Shilomo was a trying to achieve the Moshe status, but he was answered that he could not do so. That's the first opinion here in the Gemara. So again, the Gemara is trying to figure out what's this mizukak shivatayim, the end of the pasuk where it says something about sevens. We have it as seven times seven is 49, the 49 gates of knowledge. Moshe had it, Shilomo wanted it, couldn't get it. First opinion. Says the Gemara Hadaman. The other opinion says, well, I'm not really disagreeing about your interpretation of that 49. I'm not really disagreeing about your understanding of Moshe. I have a disagreement, this is Rav and Shemuel, about that last part. Is it really so that Shilomo, I will add, in turn, we as well, if we act to maximize our potential, our capacities, if we're born with those sorts of capacities, we can't be like Moshe in terms of knowledge. Is that really so? I'm not so certain, says the other opinion. The Pasuk says, There won't and will not be any other prophet in Israel like Moshe, which we're understanding in the context of knowledge. That's a Navi. It doesn't mean that a Melech, a king like Shilomo, doesn't mean, quote unquote, that a person like you and me can't achieve it. I mean, we'll be honest, we can't. But ultimately speaking, it's not as if we're barred from the 49 gates of knowledge. It's a statement about Nivua. Nobody can climb to Nivua like Moshe. Oh, wait 
wait a second, if that's the case, well then how do I understand that pasuk in Kohelet? You're understanding things entirely differently. You're telling me that the understanding is Moshe, but others as well, is case of Mizukak Shifataim. You have this uh, 49 gates. What about the pasuk that Shilomo Bikesh Divre Hefetz? He wanted matters of will. He wanted to be like Moshe. We understood it. And the heavenly voice came out and told him, sorry, we're reading it this way. Look in the book of Devarim. It can't be so. And altogether different interpretation. A different derasha. What matters of will was Shilomo, so to speak, seeking? We interpreted initially the knowledge like Moshe, not so. Rather, it goes like this. Bikesh Kohelet ladun dinin shibalev he wanted to be a judge and he wanted to determine judgment with his heart, with his mind, with his understanding. He didn't want to have to be impeded by witnesses and warnings and any of the jurisdiction system that we have. He didn't want to be confined by any of that. What did Shilomo want? Come in front of me. I'll listen carefully. I'll look into it and I'll determine. I don't need the witnesses and I don't need the hatra'a, the warnings. I don't need any of that. That's what he wanted. That was the divrei ha'efetz. What's the pasuk in Sefer Devarim, which, so to speak, taught him it's not doable? Yasetabat kol ve'amralo ve'katub yosher divrei eme. What's the pasuk in Sefer Devarim of Divrei Emet for our purposes? Al The pasuk says, based on two witnesses, we'll be able to establish Dean justice. So the second interpretation is not altogether different than the first, because keep in mind, the first one was Shilomo wanted to be like Moshe, and the response was Lokam Navi Odbi, so you can't do so. The second one is. I want to, because I believe in my capabilities, to go based on my capabilities, so to speak, against Torah, so to speak, transcending the regular knowledge in terms of determining deen on my own, and the response is, no can do. So ultimately speaking, the pasuk, which we understand appropriately, is a statement to humanity, a statement to Shilomo. You're not going to know everything. Don't believe you'll know everything. But I do understand this. I'm able to achieve this without Torah. What do I not exactly so. Follow the words of Divrei Yosher, of Sefer Hayashar, of the book of Devarim, and by extension, the entirety of the Torah. Does it, say is the it does, indeed. So, I mean, again, that, it's a question of how to understand that. The first interpretation would say, aside from Moshe. The second interpretation would say, that's right, he rose above him because he was a Melech, he wasn't a Navi. We're just talking about perception and Nevoah, of course. That's the point. That's exactly the point. Says the Gemara here at the top of Daf Kafbet Amudalaf Maaseh Shaaveru Yoter Me'arba'im Zug Ve'ikevan Be'akiva Belod. If you recall the Mishnah at the end, described how there were forty groups, forty uh, pairs of witnesses who wanted to on Shabbat make their way up to Sanhedrin to establish uh, what they had seen in the new month, and Rabbi Akiva paused them. Rabban Gamliel's response was, "How could you do so? If you pause them now, if you don't allow them to come up next time they see the moon, they're going to say." Ah. It's not worth it. They don't really need us anyways. As a result, although we don't need 40 pairs, although it's unnecessary in order to establish the new month, it must have been really clear in the sky. Says Rabban Gamliel, Terbi Akiva, you're preventing them. You're machshilan le'atid lavo. Says the Gemara, you should know. You should know. Rabbi Akiva never, never actually halted them. What are you talking about? The Mishnah said Rabbi Akiva halted them. Amar Tanya which uh, which complements our Mishnah. In other words, it's the extension of our Mishnah. 
our Mishnah appear to have told us a story just about Rabbi Akiva and Bar Gamliel. This Beraita says you're missing some details. Amar Biuda has veshalom should be Akiva Ikevan. It's not possible, heaven forsake, to suggest Rabbi Akiva halted them. Why would Rabbi Akiva halt them? He knows the significance, the importance of sending them to the Mikdash. Rabbi Akiva is going to go against the words of Rabban Gamliel, who at the time was the major authority. It's not possible. If I'm not mistaken, I saw quoted at some point that in Talmud Yerushalmi they fill out the story that Abba Gamliel was nervous, was angry at Rabbi Akiva. He said, I'm going to excommunicate you. You can't do this. We need them. And this is our judgment and our call for all the witnesses to make their way to us. You can't now transgress the words of the Sanhedrin of the time. And so as a result, this is Rabbi Uda reacting to that in which he says, ah, that's a, you're missing some details. What actually happened was, Ela shizpar roshah shel Apparently, in the, in the in the area of Rabbi Akiva, not Rabbi Akiva himself, there was this individual Shizpar. Says Rashi, that's his name. Kachshemo. What's he the head of? Gedim. I don't know what that means. He's the head of the uh, gates. Maybe he was the head of gates of some sort. You know. Anyway, so this individual, he stopped them. Shadach Rabban Gamliel vehoriduhu migedulaton. Rabban Gamliel sent. And they then ousted, they then lowered this Shizpar from whatever status he had. He was Rosh of Geder, whatever that status was, whatever that stature was. If you're going against the words of Rabban Gamliel, of the Sanhedrin, you're going to, but Hasve Shalom, Rabbi Akiva would do so. Says Rabbi Udan the Beraita, it could not and would not be so. Okay, onward in the Gemara, really, to the next Mishnah. How many Giddari? How many Giddari? Oh, from the earlier Gemara, the Sha'arim, the Sha'arebina, Maba'arif, I don't know, it depends who you ask. Me, I know barely even one, Stanley. Anyway, I don't know. Biaki, that's the begin again, it's the beginning of the story. I'm telling you the story. I say this is the way I remember it. The continuation is, wait a second, is it really so? It can't be. As a matter of fact, says Rabbi Hudad. Yeah, I remember Rabban Gamliel then confronted Rabbi Akiva, because that was the word out on the street that Rabbi Akiva had done it. Rabbi Akiva responded, I never did that, she's did that. So in other words, the Mishnah begins the story, the Beraita finishes the story. That's what I meant. It's complementary. Says the Mishnah onward, Av Ubeno you have a son and his father who saw the new moon. Now we know that Kerobim, uh, relatives, are psulim le'edut. We know from weddings all the time. We say that the witnesses can't be uh, t- testifying together. They can't be related to the litigant. They can't be related to one another. And over here, of course, they're not related to the moon, but they're related to one another. What are we going to do in such a circumstance? Yelechu. Uh, they should go. They should go to testify, but they can't testify. Says the first opinion here in the Mishnah, it's not that the father and son can actually come together to issue a testimony because the Pasul Ela, however, if one of them is found to be invalidated, we'll discuss in a moment how so, the second one will now join up with another person. In other words, they'd walk into Sanhedrin and they'd say, we have testimony. We'd separate each person who has testimony and check them out. And we'd determine based on what they claim to have seen, whether it uh, matches with someone else's words, whether it's, uh, there are discrepancies, there are going to be circumstances where we'll have to invalidate. We'd like to have as many people, as large a pool as we can have. So this way, if we invalidate many of them based on their misunderstanding, based on them, 
them not seeing it clearly enough, will then be able to take this son and place him with another guy. Not that he's testifying together with his father. Says the Mishnah onward, Bishim'on Omer, Avu Bono, has this bold statement, and we'll see in the Gemara, I'll mention it to you now, the source for it, Bishimon's statement is, although in general, when it comes to testimony, we assume it's, Pasuk tells us in the Torah, that if you're a karob, you're pasul le'edut, you're invalidated if you're a, a, a relative. When it comes to edut ha'hodesh, it's different. How could you argue that it's different? Well, Rabbi Shimon points to the Pasuk in the Torah where we learn about Kiddush HaChodesh. It's a Chodesh HaZelachem. If you pay attention to Pasuk, it's God turning to Moshe and Aharon. Would you know it? Moshe and Aharon are brothers. And nonetheless, God is telling them, HaChodesh HaZelachem. It appears then that when it comes to Kiddush HaChodesh, we don't have the same laws, the same rules as general testimony. Well, that being the case, we have a Mahlok in here in the Mishnah as to why Avin Beno should come. Everybody agrees the father and son should come. According to the first opinion, because they'll then be necessary separately, potentially. According to the second opinion, the Bishimon, they can even testify together. Concludes the Mishnah. Mar or harofe. So here's the story of Biyose says, it happened, there was this Tobia Harofe, I don't know, doctor of some sort. He saw the new moon when he was in Jerusalem. Who? Both he and his son and even his freed slave. Now his freed slave, when you get a freedom of sl- from slavery in Judaism, you then have a Gerut, you're then, um, uh, what's it called, um, converted. So he has a conversion. He's a gay. He's a kosher guy. Generally speaking, we'd imagine the maybe not in our community, but halacha the kibbelu hakohanim otov et beno upasu et abdo. The first betin, the betin of kohanim, were willing to accept he and his son. It appears as if they're following the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. But they invalidated the Eved. The Eved's Meshukhrar. He's no longer an Eved. Explains Tosafot, the top left-hand corner. Tosafot citing from the Gemara in Sanhedrin and Daflamid Vav. It's one of the last Dapim we learned together in Masechet Sanhedrin before the summer. And the Gemara over there talks about, uh, for Dayanim specifically, if I'm not mistaken, they need to be Meyuhasim. Miuhas means they need to come from some kosher lineage. As a result, a ger, a convert, would be invalidated. The same way a ger is invalidated from marrying into kehuna, so too to be a dayan, the opinion over here is that perhaps the evid meshuhrar needs to be miuhas in order to be accepted for testimony. That's the statement over here. But fundamentally, what are we reading in this first betin? This first betin is accepting a father and son. Father and son's opinion of Bishamon. And they can be a judge. That's right. This opinion is extending it from both Dayan and marrying it to Keunah to Eidut. That's this opinion. Continues the Mishnah. It says, But then when they came in front of the next Betin, it sounds like Betin HaGadol, There it is, Charlie. The next Betin, Betin HaGadol, accepts he the Tobia Harofe, and his Eved, apparently they don't necessitate a, uh, a uh, Meyuhas status, you don't need the lineage worked out, a Ger would be included, but the son was invalidated, which means that reading this story from Rabbi Yosei and the Mishnah, when we end the story, we understand which way he's leading us, which way is he leading us, he's telling us that Kerobim are Psulim, even for Edut HaHadash, he told two stories, right, first story was they came to the ancillary, the smaller bit, in the 
Bet Din of Kohanim, and they accepted father and son, like Rabbi Shimon, minority opinion. They came to Bet Din HaGadol, and they accepted only he and his Avid, but not the son. Why not the son? Because Kirobim are Psulim Le'edut, which means to say this final story in the Mishnah is slanting us. We started the Mishnah, we had two opinions. Hachamim versus Rabbi Shimon. Are kerobim pesulim or ksherim for edut hahodesh? The answer, well, hachamim say not. Rabbi Shimon says yes. Story, well, the small betin was like Rabbi Shimon. The greater, the important betin was like hachamim. Says the Gemara, Amar bilevi ma'ita amad Rabbi Shimon. What's the reasoning? I kind of told it to you already, but what's the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon? Why does Rabbi Shimon think that edut hahodesh, accepting the testimony for the new moon for Rosh Chodesh? Is, uh, is, is okay, is kosher with kerobim. We Generally speaking, we always say they're not kosher. Answers the Gemara, answers the Bilevi, Dikhti vayomer Adonai el Moshe ve el Aharon ba'eris Misraim lemor ha'chodesh ha'zelachem. There it is, Pasuk has God speaking to both Moshe and Aaron, who are, of course, brothers. Edut zo, the understanding is this testimony, will be kosher with you guys. In other words, for Edut ha'chodesh, in contradistinction to any other Edut, Kerobim, relatives are kosher. Wait a second, what do the hachamim do? It's a beautiful pasuk. It's pasuk. This is the pasuk we've been talking about, we've been discussing for Kiddush HaChodesh, for accepting and, and understanding, determining the new month. And it's to Moshe and Aaron, Shema Yisrael, that's it. Bishimon, it's open and shut proof. The hachamim, Rabbanan, says the Gemara, Edot zo, it's not that we're accepting Moshe and Aharon as witnesses. We're accepting Moshe and Aharon as determining the circumstances. In other words, they're, so to speak, sitting on the Bedin. Of course, that raises a question, are they Kirobim on the Bedin? But fundamentally, for our purposes, in terms of Edut, it's speaking not about them being related to one another and kosher for testifying, but more specifically, as Rashi writes, I'm handing this matter to people like you. Who are you and Aharon? Hashubim. In other words, if I read the Pasuk and they're acting just as witnesses, well, what's special about them as opposed to anyone else? A witness saw a moon. It doesn't matter if he's Tamit Hacham or not. It doesn't matter if he's Tamit Hacham or not. Any layperson, whether he's smart or not so smart, we'll accept them. If the Pasuk is saying Moshe and Aharon, it's teaching me something about them being relatives. If alternatively, it has nothing to do with them being witnesses. It has to do with them establishing the new month. So I'm not looking at the details of it being Moshe and Aharon as brothers. I'm looking at the stature of Moshe and Aharon because now, he, he, now it's significant. Who are they? They're Hashubei Hador. They're the important people. Who's going to determine the new month? The important people. Does that mean they could be relatives? No, it doesn't mean they could be relatives because now we understand the significance of Moshe and Aharon as not being brothers as the significant line but rather as important people. It stands to reason. Do you understand the difference? When I'm accepting witnesses, who cares if they're important people? When I'm establishing important people is the operative issue and as a result, says the Gemara, that's the Hachamim's opinion. Okay, well, when it, when it all settles, we have this mahlok in between Rabbi Shimon and Hachamim. Now the Gemara will go one step further in terms of establishing, well, what's the halacha? Are kerobim, pesulim, or kesherim? Are relatives invalidated or are they kosher for idut ha-chodesh? The end of our Mishnah cited those two stories cited by Rabbi Yoseh. Amar Rav Hanan Barava. 
The initial statement over here is halachas like Rabbi Shimon, which means relatives, kerobim, are ksherim le'edut. Amar le'erav hunad arav hanan the response in turn to the initial rabbi who said that the established halachas like Rabbi Shimon, one second, can we review the end of the Mishnah? Rabbi Yoseh umaaseh. The end of the Mishnah had Rabbi Yoseh, another opinion, and he's citing a story which validates the opinion of the Hachamim. And you now have the audacity to say, It's not as if it's just a mahlok Rabbi Shimon and Hachamim. It's a mahlok dispute between Rabbi Shimon and Hachamim, followed by Rabbi Yoseh reflecting, sitting backward and thinking about it, citing two stories and making clear that we should be channeling this in the direction of Hachamim. That kerobim avu b'nobsulim. So you walked away from that. And if you walked away, we heard Rabbi Shimon disagrees with the majority. Maybe Rabbi Shimon has the authority to disagree. It's not even that. The presentation in our Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon versus Hachamim. Story saying halachas like Hachamim. You did everything except for stated explicitly that halachas like Hachamim. And you walked away and said halachas like Shimon. I mean, I've given classes like this. I go through the class. I develop the point. I mention a minority opinion in the class. I mention how it once was an opinion, but... But look at the development of time, how we've established halacha, and we walk out of the class, or in the class someone says, but what about the minority? What are the minority opinions? It's a minority opinion, it existed, but it's been disproved. It's, 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 off the, it's off the charts at this point. It's important to develop them and to understand. That's the expression over here. He says, what are you talking about? How are you going? Like a Bishimon? Amar lo, the response of this uh, Rav Hanan, who initially stated that halakha kirbi shimon, he said, I'll tell you really what was, what was driving me. Bahazimnin sagi'in means many times. Zimnin means times. Sagi'in means many. Amarit kame de rav. Many times when I was in front of rav, an important emorah, I stated, hilcheta kirbi shimon. I stated. I made it matter-of-factly stated in front of him. And when it comes to Kiddush HaChodesh, the Halakha is like Rabbi Shimon, and you want to know what Rav's response was? Velo amarli velamide. And he didn't respond to anything. He was quiet. He, it was the fact that he was quiet, Shittika was almost kehoda'a. He seemed to be okay with me stating. So, so I hear your question from the Mishnah, says Rav Hanan. I understand you're saying the Mishnah seems to be aligned and set up to say Halakha is not like Rabbi Shimon. But what about my stories? I was with the rabbi, I mentioned this opinion, and he kept quiet. The fact that I mentioned this opinion and I stated it as halakha, and he was quiet, seems to tell me that he believes that the halakha. Amarle says, wait a second, could you rewind for a moment? Tell me how exactly you said so in front of Rav. Hechi tanit. How did you teach? How did you learn this matter in front of Rav? Amarle, he says, that Rav Hanan thinks about it. He says, the truth is, I'll tell you how I taught it. Ibcha. I did it the opposite way. What do I mean by the opposite way? I had it, I flipped the opinions of Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yoseh. Which means to say, in the Mishnah, we had Rabbi Shimon as permitting relatives. We had Rabbi Yoseh as forbidding, as prohibiting relatives. I would say it in the opposite way. I would teach, I would learn the Mishnah and say, that Rabbi Shimon thinks that relatives are invalidated from those two stories. Rabbi Yosef believed that they were kosher. Ah, the response is, Rav Hanan, you want to know why Rav was quiet? Because when you then said, it was stating the opposite opinion, that relatives are invalidated. That's why he was quiet. In other words, it's great that you have the whole storyline of what took place with Rav all worked out. But what about the details? Your details are misleading. You said, 
on. You come in front of me and you stated to me, uh, the Rabbi, uh, I heard uh, A from, uh, from Rabbi X and I heard B from Rabbi Y. And uh, I think the halacha is like Rabbi Y. So, so that's, I keep quiet. I think you're right. You walk away and say, so the halacha is like Rabbi Y. You go and you tell your friend and your friend says, Really? Can't be. I know Harari thinks differently. So he, say, he says to you, how did you state it? He says, oh, I said A is from Rabbi Z and B is from Rabbi Y. He says, but that's not the way it is. It's flipped. In other words, what you stated to him was the wrong opinions connected to the wrong names. You, you mismatched over here. As a result, says Rav, Hanan, says, the, says Rav Hanan, the truth is, I mentioned Rabbi Shimon as the strong, uh, severe opinion, as being a tzasur. That's why Rav was quiet. It's for that reason that he was quiet. He does accept that. It has nothing to do with Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yosef. It has to do with the opinion. And you stated that Rabbi Shimon says it's invalid. That's what he was accepting. It's not about Rabbi Shimon versus Hachamim. It's about what's the halakha. Amar the Gemara concludes over Amar Tabe Bere Demare Tabe. Amar Mor Ukva, Amar Shimuel Hilcheta, not what we're expecting. Kirbi Shimon, would you imagine? Can you imagine? We just slammed Halacha Kirbi Shimon. And the concluding line is Halacha Kirbi Shimon. If you have a little uh, marking next to it, I have a little Aleph, it tells you that if you look in Harambam's words, he's clearly going that the Halacha is not like Rabbi Shimon. And as a result, we believe that maybe you're supposed to inject another word over here right afterwards, the word Shimuel. And the word is. In other words, the punchlines are fascinating, Gemara, in terms of its discrepancies, right? The Gemara had a statement that the halakha is like Rabbi Shimon, but it was the wrong Rabbi Shimon. You quoted Rabbi Shimon as Rabbi Yosef. The final line over here, we're expecting that the halakha is like the hachamim, and it says, change it, add in the word, and the halakha is not like Rabbi Shimon. And that indeed is the halakha as we know it, that even for Edut HaChodesh, Kerobim are not kosher, they are Pesulim Le'edut. What about Moshe and Aharon? That's in terms of establishing you need the Gedolim, you need the Hashuveh Hador. Next Mishnah, says the Mishnah Elohen HaPesulim. We saw a similar Mishnah in Masechet Sanhedrin in the Daf Kafdalid uh, range. On Daf Kafdalid, we saw this Mishnah, which the Mishnah told us in general, when it comes to Edut, there are a whole list of individuals whom the hachamim determined inappropriate for them to be testifying. We're going to repeat it over here in the context of eduta hodesh. Who are they? Hamisahek bekubya. First is a person who throws, uh, well, we say dice or gamblers, but literally it means he throws, is misahek, he plays with boxes. Something similar to dice in terms of how it falls out and what happens. What's the isur over there? Is there an isur? There's two opinions in the Gemara Masechet Either there's no isur. Uh, per se. Rather, it's a person whose mind is not set on Yishuvoshel Olam. It's a person whose mind is altogether in a different place. He's so strong, high strung, and set in his gambling uh, mindset that he's not able to testify straight in a straight fashion. He thinks in a very manipulative, strange way, and as a result, he's invalidated, but not per se that he was involved in an illegal endeavor by being Mesachek Bekubya. The other opinion in the Gemara is that it's a Gezel, What's gezel? It's stealing. Stealing? What's stealing? He's gambling. It's not stealing. The Gemara says it's called asmachta. Asmachta refers to, I believe that I'm not going to lose. So do you. We put our money down. Neither one of us believes we're going to lose. I lost. 
Now, although you, fair and fair and square, won my money, but in the back of my mind, I never thought I was giving up that money when I put that money down on the table. I was never actually relinquishing my ownership over it. It's Gezel, says Rashi on our Gemara, says Rashi over there, Masechet Sanhedrin, it's Gezel Midrabana, it's rabbinically speaking Gezel. That's a, it's a rabbinic stealing. Again, you won it fair and square, I did put it down, but technically speaking, I didn't actually make a transaction, I didn't actually give it to you. I thought I was gonna win, and of course, that has a lot to do with uh, what sort of gambling you're dealing with in terms of skill and all that sort of business, as has been and will be discussed separately. Um, alternatively, Tosafot here and elsewhere uh, suggest that this is Gezel Min HaTorah, potentially. It's only that Midrabanan, you're invalidated to testify. Why would you be invalidated to testify? Well, again, we fear that you don't have your matter set straight. We fear that as a sinner of this set, of this sort, whether it's not sinning, it's or alternatively, you sinned, the rabbis say, we don't want you testifying, you're invalidated, Midrabanan. What's the next one in our list? It's people who lend, who loan with interest. Now that's an issue from the Torah. Why well, invalidated in testimony? Of course, we think that you have your financial matters uh, set uh, askew. They're not straight. And as a result, we can't believe that what you're going to say in court is the truth and nothing but the truth. You might be coerced by the person's money. You might want to win your own money. You're not believed that's malvebribit. Umafriheyonim. Mafriheyonim literally means those who... Who, who fly doves. It's a reference to a way of some sort of gambling game as well with doves. The last time we were learning this in Masechet Sanhedrin, Jack Shalou sat in in the class and he sat, told me he knows this from the old country in Damascus. He said everybody was mafrihayonim. He sent me a video afterwards in terms of what it means even today. They're being mafrihayonim, some sort of endeavor in which there's either a gezim or a banan, or it's a gambling thing, or whatever it is, you're dealing with, again, another one of these circumstances where you're dependent upon another, and you're taking someone else's thing. So, Haresh Shivayit refers to people who sell on the seventh year, on Shemitah year, it's an Isur to do so, and it again shows about you, you have a certain lust, a certain tendency toward money, against halacha, against doing what the straight thing is, avadim. and lastly, an Evet Kena'ani, an Evet Kena'ani has to follow mitzvot, like an Isha, like a woman, and just like a woman, he is invalidated for testimony. You should know the principle of the matter with regard to this list is, any testimony which a woman is invalidated from, so too is our list of individuals invalidated. Of course, the quick, quick diuk in the Gemara is, we'll read it and understand it and conclude this Gemara. Ha'isha kesher afen We can easily deduce from those last words in the Mishnah that what sort of testimony can these people not testify in? And they're not a part of matters that a woman cannot testify about. What's what are matters that a woman cannot testify in? What matters can a woman yes can testify in? A woman is invalidated from testimony about idut nefashot, about the nemamonot. She's not allowed to involve herself in most regular matters of life and death in terms of testimony. She's not allowed to involve herself as a witness in monetary disputes. She's not allowed to involve herself in idut What is she kosher for? 
We know two circumstances, at least, where she's kosher. She's kosher for testifying about a man who may have died, whom she sees died, in order to relinquish his wife from being an aguna. It's the end of Masechet Yevamot. Describe circumstances. Imagine a 9-11 circumstance. We're not certain what happened to this man, but a woman saw it. She's allowed to testify. That's one exception to the rule. The other exception to the rule comes up in Masechet Sota. If you're dealing with a woman who's suspected by her husband of having cheated on her, and we're now going to lead her into a process of Sota, the Torah tells us about it in Parashat Nasot, the entirety of Masechet Sotah deals with aspects of it. But she, a woman, a different woman, saw this woman then seclude herself with a man. She can testify, and as a result, she ends the whole process. You save the woman who's now going through this process from potentially harming herself and dying through the testimony of a woman. It means there are exceptions to the rule when women are accepted. Says the Gemara again, when I deal with all these rabbinically prohibited people from testimony, what am I talking about? I'm talking about matters where a woman could not testify. If it's testimony like the two I mentioned where a woman's permitted, he says it's therefore pretty clear to us that when it comes to a gazlan midivrehen, a thief midrabanan, rabbinically speaking, he's kosher for matters in which a woman is kosher for testifying. Says Rashi very carefully and importantly. He says, but if it's a gazel, a gazan min haTorah, straight up thievery, he would be invalidated. We're just talking about the What's the difference? Says Rashi, it has to do with the brazenness of the individual. Did I win this? Quote unquote, fair and square. I was sitting with you. We made a deal. We put the money on the table. It might be in the back of your mind that you're not getting, you're not going to lose. But ultimately speaking, I did win. That's midrabanan. We're a little less suspicious about your manipulation. If you're gezel minhat Torah, you straight up stole from the person over there. We say you're not you're not validated. You're not kosher even for edut shehaisha kesherala. Baruch Amen. Amen.